I'm Carlo, Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo, and this is my podcast. With this project, I want to explore the means, methods, tools, and examples of living on purpose, living the life we want, doing the things that light us up, things that make us feel like we're alive, growing, making a difference, and enjoying the process along the way. Welcome to It's the Journey. Okay, everybody, welcome back to It's the Journey. Um, and one thing I was thinking about today is, is I, when I started this project, it was fun thinking about who I would want to talk with and realizing how lucky I was to have in the last five, 10 years met so many people that I'm inspired by that I think are doing really, really cool things. You know, people that are taking chances to try something that they're curious about or try something they're interested in or passionate about and just saying yes in, in, in ways that allow them to do it and learn and grow without maybe even always knowing where it's going to take them. And so that has been exciting and that's been super motivating to me and things that I've been wanting to try and have tried. And so it's, it's been an extra joy with this project to dive into that deeper with some of the people that from the outside have watched them do things and seen projects unfold. And sometimes someone will just tell me, hey, I'm doing this now. And you're like, what? I didn't know that was a thing. So uh, my guest today is another great example of that. Stephen Herowitz is an amazing guy that I'm lucky enough to call a friend. Um, yet another one of my friends from that I initially met through the improv community. Uh, Stephen is, um, well, first of all, I've, I've had the joy of watching him perform. He's a funny guy, great improviser, actor. Watched him produce shows, watch him um, just be a part of the community that people look up to and admire. And just he's just a kind, big-hearted cool, nice person. And so I started running, running into Stephen sometimes outside of the theater at Rise Coffee Shop. And one day he started talking about this thing that he's doing, this campfire thing. And then I didn't fully understand it. I, I, I knew he was working on this thing. And then I start seeing stuff pop up on social media, these campfire storytelling events and watching people tell stories. And again, it was always from the outside and you know we're all so busy. So I kept thinking, I'm going to watch one of those. And every time it would pop up, it was like, oh, tonight I have to do this. I'm doing this with my son or going here or going there or doing that or, or whatever. And so when I decided to do the podcast, I'm like, I need I need help. I want to. I want to learn. I want to learn a little bit about storytelling and presenting and talking. And I was nervous, and so I reached out to Stephen, and I was willing. I was wanting a, some private coaching, and he's like, "Just sign up for a class, man." And so I did. It was back in November. I signed up for the first class, and I did, did the beginner, beginner class, and I was so blown away at what a cool group of people Stephen had working Stephen had working with him and teachers and how kind they were and how organized they were and how professional it all was. And so then I signed up for the advanced class and then Stephen was the teacher of that. And some of you may have seen, I'll, I'll repost it with this, that um, as part of the advanced class, you do this 10-minute uh, story that, that they, that 
the, the process is so good at teaching you like how to do a story and how to tell it and how to, what stage presence is and you get great feedback from your peers and all along the way, whether it was Steven or in the other classes, other teachers, they're so supportive that it was just easy and fun and I learned a lot and had a great experience. And so since then, I've had a lot of friends ask me like, what was that? And that's something that I'd be interested in, even if it's just, it's a good skill to have for life you know, if you're for for your job, if you just have to get up and make a little presentation in in front of a small group of your peers, it's it's good to have that practice. So that's that's what Stephen is doing, and I want to just dive into you know how how did you think of that? And I was just thinking the other the three of my last four guests have started some kind of school or teaching thing. So hmm. that wasn't intentional, but that's what it is. So um, let's uh, with all that, let's dive into and meet Stephen and hear about his story. So Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'd forgotten about the Rise piece. We did used to run into people at Rise like in, you know, normal human times. <laughs> and you were one of the people I'd always run into yeah. at Rise. In the before times. In the before times. And I remember we sat down one time and I think we talked about life and I, f- I think we talked financial stuff, even about campfire. I think I was asking you some questions at one point. Yeah, yeah, and it was fine because, like, you know, we didn't know each other that well, but it was like mm-hmm. you're just doing this thing. And it was funny before we ever met Kate Blatt. Somehow she's like, "Have you ever met Stephen?" I'm like, "No." She goes, "You guys would get along, and you guys should meet, and you guys should be friends." <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So Kate's listening. You were totally right. Uh, Spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I feel like our initial friendship was through improv stuff. Uh-huh. And in, I think, improv world, there's the friends that you see at the community gatherings or after an event or a show. And you kind of like do pass by improv. Yeah. You know, where you're like, you do like a little thing. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> and then you move on. Right. Which is like perfectly fine. Uh huh. But yeah, then we got to sit down and actually talk. Yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some people like you know if if the if 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 in post COVID you never saw there, there's some people that unless we're in that environment again you wouldn't interact and you mm-hmm. you, you care about them and you want them to be happy and mm-hmm. but you, that was the thing that bound you. Um, and in this example, yeah, we uh, it was cool learning that you had this this passion, this thing that you're doing. So yes. let's, so campfire, look, I want to read this for anyone that's not familiar with it. Just a, a piece from your website, if that's all right. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Go for it. Okay. So it says at campfire, we work to nurture the natri- natural storyteller, public speaker, and facilitator in each of us. With that, we are committed to supporting our storyteller clients and audience members through all phases of their experience. We look to our students and clients to tell us what they need so we can make sure that we leave no one behind. We offer challenges and support when our students and clients choose to take them on. And that was the end, end of that. So that that was exactly my experience. You guys, Which page was that on? I like that. I don't that. know. <laughs> <laughs> who, who wrote that? Yeah, who wrote that? I should tip them. That was good. That, but that's the experience. I felt, I felt so supported and safe. And luckily, like with, with my experience with improv, it wasn't, I wasn't super nervous, but mm-hmm. I had never done this. And so it was something new. Yeah. So 
Um, I want to talk about like, so where, you know, where, where your drive came to one day, you're like, I'm going to start basically a school training program that, that, that facilitates helping people do this. Like how, how did you, how, where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to say like, I have a loose understanding of where it came from. Um, I think even when I was growing up, I was always kind of like a starter of things. It was just something I liked doing. And so I started a number of, I don't know if you can call them businesses, but like when you're in high school and you make money, you're not going to, you know, file with the IRS. So it was just, I would have these like little <laughs> pop-up businesses that I would do. And then when I got to St. Louis, I came here for a job at WashU, and I loved it. But Washington University, just like any large organization, has a lot of bureaucracy and things move kind of slow. And I struggle a bit with moving slow at anything. And mm-hmm. so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go do a thing on the side just to give me a creative outlet. And really, most of it was just like theories. It was like, all right, well, I used to present at a lot of conferences. I would compete in case study competitions. And I was teaching facilitation stuff to undergrad students. And I was like, what if I just mash all that stuff together? Like, what happens if we put on an event and we get one storyteller and they tell a story the entire time, but they add in these facilitated elements to get the audience involved and then we were trying like weird customer service things where like people could text in a coffee order and we'd bring it to their seat because I didn't want anybody to have to like break their moment being in the story. So we were just trying, it was a big experiment. We we're just trying a bunch of stuff. And it kind of worked. Yeah. And that was pretty much about it. That was in 2015. We called it the Sunday story at the time. And the theories kind of played out. And then I had like a bunch of stuff going on in life. So we took a pause. And then I got a random call from the St. Louis Public Library, specifically the Central Library. And they're like, hey, we've seen some of your stuff. We want to bring some people to the library that maybe wouldn't have come otherwise. Do you want to do something? And me spotting an opportunity, I was like, yes. But I'm going to need cool. some money. To, you know, like, <laughs> I'll need a budget to really yeah. do this right. And then from there, we just kind of kept iterating off of the, the theoretical part. And then as time went on, we also started to build out more of the like feeling environment stuff when it came uh-huh. to the event itself. That's that's yeah that that's really cool. Now, uh, one thing I admire too is like even though you're, so you you must have a natural, or it was cultivated in some other part of your life, team building, um, abilities in terms because you you have you have great teachers that it really feels like the processes that, that are, there's, there's processes and structure behind that that's helping them succeed mm-hmm. without you having to be there and doing everything. And that's, that's one of the biggest, I struggle with that as an entrepreneur. And my, I, have a, I have a day job and I'm not good at, at managing people. I'm not good with systems. Uh, I like, I believe in them, but I'm terrible at creating and following them. So you must be, <laughs> you must be really good at that. Uh, or, uh, yeah. So like, uh, was that, was that, is that a, is that a natural skill set for you or? I think it goes back and forth. I'm glad it looks that way. That makes <laughs> okay. me feel so much better. It does. I, I, I tried it. Some of it's a trust thing. Some of it's a control thing and it goes back and forth. But I think the people that taught you and, and teach any of the other classes, is, I just think they're, they're just really good at what they do in any, you probably put any challenge in front of them and they're going to figure it out in a way that's impressive. And mm-hmm. so I rely a lot on their natural abilities. 
And then it helps because a lot of them went through the classes or they were past fellows, so they know the feeling. Like, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, I can put a curriculum in front of people, they can teach it, and it can be missing something unless they know what it means to get up on stage and talk in front of people and they know what that feels like or they know what it feels like to go through these classes when it's done really well and so they want to recreate not just the curriculum but the feeling of it. And so that shifts, I think that shifts the work a lot away from just learning objectives into, I don't want to say experience because I think that gets thrown around a lot nowadays, but more of the communal part of, if we think of what a campfire is, like that part has to come into this. Otherwise, it is just the class piece. Um, and that's, I think that, I think about that with improv stuff too. I think that's a very communal experience. It's, it's kind of the same deal as like, if you can get the feeling, like the thing mm-hmm. that got you hooked originally, if you can get that feeling across, even if the curriculum is kind of like iffy, mm-hmm. people are going to be pretty, pretty down for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's a good <clears throat> it's a good tie into that because I had I never done improv, I would have just I would still would have been impressed, of course. Um, but it, it had a, it had there were I did feel like the things I liked about going through the improv class and the community and the support and the trust was was in the fiber of what you're doing. Yeah. With this as well, I think that and, stuff's important. The way that my parents raised me and my siblings, I I tell people like I grew up in leadership development programs and cohorts because my parents are freaks. And so like I did this stuff starting elementary school. And so things like the classes we do or the improv shop or any of the stuff that I experienced growing up where you're in community with other people, you're given a shared challenge or a shared task, you're challenged to rise to a certain level but supported in that process. Like, that does something to you. Uh, And when done in unison, all those things working in in tandem together, I mean, that's that's powerful. That's a powerful Mm -hmm. thing to be a part of. Cool. What what kind of uh, leadership and training experiences did you have as a kid? Yeah, I thought this was like a normal childhood for most people. <laughs> I since figured out that was not the case. You had org charts and stuff. Of, yeah, it's just all kinds <laughs> of random stuff. Like middle school, like, and I have vague memories of them because I was young. There's like this thing called the Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership something something. And I did that for a week. Maybe it was like a week residential thing. Uh, or I was like in the patrol, whatever that patrol team is that people do in elementary school. And then when I got like into, the cross guards and stuff, or yeah. something different. Okay, mm-hmm. I was an orange belt. Uh huh. Nice. I had an orange belt, and I had a little lieutenant badge. Awesome. And then in high school, I did student government stuff, and I I volunteered at a district level. It was just like stuff like that that my parents really pushed all three of us to to do. And I I don't think it was necessarily like we want our kids to be model leaders. I'm sure it was probably just like very parent stuff, which is like get out of the house. Like, yeah. Just go do something else. <laughs> right. And that's just where we all went or did. That's cool. And uh you could so I can see that because you know, the things that you do even within the improv, like I've I don't know I think I haven't been involved as long as you have, but I've never produced a show. Like you you had this drive as like you get an idea, you're like, I'm just gonna pull together some people and make a show. Um so it's a skill set that 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 that's cool that you're. It's just so fun, like seeing 
experiences everybody has as kids and how that like unfolds later in life. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just my just, parents. Go ahead. My parents let my siblings and I just get our asses kicked, I think, at young ages. Whether it was like the leadership stuff or they let us just try new things or if I wanted to try out for track and do the long jump, which I'm a 5'6 dude, is a terrible idea. They're like, ah, yeah. good luck. Yep. <laughs> so I, was it, on a, you know? yeah, I was on a basketball team for a while and there was zero chances I was going to go for it. <laughs> but you were able to try it? Yeah. Yeah, that's all you can do is with kids is let them try and and um, mm-hmm. well, just you know, my guest. I, I did a recording this morning with Julie Gill, who started a preschool, Julie, and yeah, yeah and, and to just talk to her, her theories about you know letting kids fail and letting yes. them climb a tree and maybe get hurt and they get a scratch, but they see that it hurts. But yeah, it's not the end of the world. And next time I'll I'll do this a little differently. And um, I was just. It's just so funny. I was talking to her about you know the seeds she's planting and how mm-hmm. I, as an adult, can think back to like, oh yeah, I believe this because of something mm-hmm. Mr. So and So or Miss So and So taught me, or yeah. you know, a, a leader in Scouts or whatever it was. So mm-hmm. it's you know, it's just almost perfect piggyback of be like, oh well, I did this and now I can yeah. do this. Yeah, and that stuff. I mean, to me, that extends into young adulthood to adulthood to some degree that you know you build those muscles up growing up or you hope to cultivate them growing up but it's this it can be the same with adults of if someone if you don't feel like you're particularly creative or that you can experiment and somebody comes along at least gives you that first chance to do it so you can get a taste of it that can be a pretty big door opener and so it's kind mm-hmm. of a, to me it's very much like a lifelong pursuit and a lot of it gets ingrained mm-hmm. at a young age but it's it's something that can be part of you for a long time, for sure. And your program, because I've done I've done some different public speaking things over the. I did Toastmasters for a while, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I took speech classes at area where we had to do public speaking and mm-hmm. whatever. And I was I was kind of liked it, um, but I always got butterflies, you know. And and um, it wasn't until improv that that kind of. I don't get scared the same way I used to. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, your program, like whether if if someone's not never done improv before, but doing, getting up there and doing, uh, telling a story that's something that you know intimately, that's important to you, that you care about, in a in a in a supportive environment. You, you know, the first time, the first the beginner class, you just do it with your fellow students. Um, but in the advanced class, you do it in front of an audience. But the audience members are people that you know and love and care about you, or care about your fellow storytellers. Or I, I think I've seen like I, we have friends that I know come see your shows that have I don't think some of them haven't even come to the haven't done the class, but they yeah. they like what you're doing so much. Yeah. Um, so that's that's, really that's nice. what a cool thing that you're providing. Like, um, do you have any fun stories about like maybe someone who's come out of this and Changed them or tried something mm-hmm. that they wouldn't have tried otherwise. Yeah, I think there's right. a there's a num- I, I'm sure there. I'm hoping that there's more than I know of, but I've heard of them along the way as I've talked to folks because we don't really do like a lot of after the fact. We'll do like assessment to make sure that the learning stuff happens, but especially with this type of work, the payoffs or the outcomes tend to be a rolling effect. Mm-hmm. And so some of it is like in the immediate, 
So like, let's say we have a storyteller come through. I remember I got a note from a fellow and she had been reached out to by a national storytelling podcast. And I can't remember its name in this moment. And they were like, hey, we'd like for you to submit. We heard your story. Or the moth, when they came into town, reached out to me and I'm sure to some other folks who do story work in the area. We're like, we're looking for for people who have a sense of their story and are ready to go and they can speak at a moth event here locally. So there's that piece, the very tangible, tactile product story. Here's a thing. And then there's the other piece of it that's, you know that you can do something like this, meaning like I can tell a very vulnerable story about myself or I can be up in front of an audience of people and I did it and I liked it and my head didn't explode and I made it through okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And so those are ones that I hear and probably look for the most because those are the ones that are the most consistent. And we've got a thread in our internal project management tool just called Happy Stuff. And so when students will send in like a nice note or we see something post on Facebook, we'll just screenshot it and we'll put it in our Happy, happy Stuff threads because that's that. It's those moments yeah. where it's like, I have self-efficacy. I know that I can do this thing. Uh-huh. And I also have a better sense of this narrative that's, I don't know if it's always necessarily have to drive your life, but it drives some choices or some understanding of who you are. And now I have a better sense of it because I had to explore it, take it apart, put it back together again, and figure out how I would want to tell it. And so mm-hmm. like those two buckets can be pretty impactful. And that, that's, I mean, like that's the jam. That's the stuff that we, that we want. So those are the two pieces that we hear the most from folks. And try that's to cool. And, and like you said, like there, there'll be some people that, they might have to think five years from now, like, oh, you know what? I, I tried this mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. Or I never would have, I, I never would have, I never would, you know, they're making a presentation in front of their work and they're like, it may have gone extra well. And it's because they were less scared than what they used to be, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, um, it's, it's like a time-delayed bonus. If, if you mm-hmm. get something out of the class, you enjoyed it, you met interesting people, and you told a story and you liked it and you got a cool recording of it or whatever. And then, yeah, in like a year and a half, you're sitting around with friends or at a work thing and you tell the story again or you have to do something and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, really, that helped. That's, mm-hmm. ah. Because it's capacity building. It's not yeah. just, it's not meant to be at least a one-time deal. It's meant to be, we are building or you are building for yourself your capacity to tell your own story or to speak in front of people in a way that feels good. You know, you uh-huh. might not get it perfect. That's okay, but it feels good to you. Yep. <clears throat> what was fun for me, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure other people have had this, is, you know, it's one thing of like thinking of my story and then practicing it on my own and then practicing it in front of my peers. But then one thing I like, so then I really, really knew it. Mm-hmm. But then when I was telling it, I was shocked of the emotion that poured out of me. Mm-hmm. Like that really, like, like something, there was something different between, I think it was during rehearsal and then the actual show that I, I got, I told a personal story and it really, it choked me up. And I'm like, this didn't happen the first 20 times I did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, there was something, like you mentioned, the Campfire is such a cool name because... You know, if you've had any experience where you're sitting around the woods, sitting with some friends in the woods around this campfire, and you're there's something different about that space. Yeah. And yeah, and 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 for me, you know, telling my story in that space 
seeing people's faces and he, you know and this was even all virtual i mean I, it must it'd be really powerful live um mm-hmm. i might I might retake it one day when it's live just for the fun of it <laughs> you know? yeah well, I think that's something that's we as we look at going back in person is are there opportunities for the folks who took classes online to tell their story again at an in person I think that's on the radar because it is different we we try to our damnedest to make it feel similar, but it's it's not always the exact same. It's still good practice. Mm-hmm. But you just you described a thing that we've never set like a term down for, but it almost like offhandedly we'll call it the leap, which is between the last class and a capstone. There's always like this extra jump everybody tends to make because it's different because you're in the space and you mm-hmm. know you have people who are watching and you know it's like the big capstone moment. And so yeah, we usually offhandedly we'll call it the leap because it's just there's there's the extra, yeah, there's the extra that's yeah. in the air. Um, I hope it's okay to talk about this, but like one of the cool things you do during during classes, or like when you open it up, you open it up with this happy crappy thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, so if I don't know if anyone's experienced this, but like it's a chance for everybody to go around the room and talk about something they're excited about and something maybe they're struggling with. And what a cool way to kind of really connect with everybody that you're dealing with and not knowing, you know, it doesn't have to be anything really deep and personal, but just let someone letting them know, like, you know, I had a rough day today and, and, mm-hmm. and you'll understand their energy, why it feels different. Um, so I, I, that's just something I, I thought was really cool and appreciated. And uh, it just says something again about, you know, the, the space you're creating yep. for everybody is special. It's awesome. Yeah. I think that's, as things have evolved, the recognition that the space piece of this is really what we're aiming for a lot of the time. Like the story stuff is part of it, absolutely. Clearly that's what draws in a lot of folks. But it's more about how do you hold a space? And that that's what transcends the storytelling stuff to the group facilitation work. Because sometimes when I talk about folks, they're like, how do those things go together? And it's to your description. When you think about a campfire, like what is a good campfire like? You tell stories, you have good conversation. It feels in a particular way safe from the outside elements. And so happies and crappies is just one of those ways that we can check in with each other and set a space. And I will add, I'll do like a plus one on this. So Molly, one of the instructors, pointed this out at one point because we were debating it was for an organizational client. It was a nonprofit if we should do happies and crappies or not. And Molly was like, I think we need to do happies and crappies because of like what you and I just talked about, but also because it's a good reminder of a well-told story is that in that rising action section, you want a mixture of hope and despair. Like that's what makes a good story. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, happies and crappies are a great reminder of that on a consistent basis of every day you come in, even if you're trying to tell a happy story, you're going to have more often than not, some kind of crappy that balances it out. So why would we cut that out when we're trying to teach good storytelling that includes a mixture of hope and despair? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and two, I, I super appreciate that, especially too, because that's, I, I tried in my, in my book and with this, you know, with my book and when I was told my story, I told the happies and crappies. Mm-hmm. If I would have just told the happies and look at this and look at that, it, mm-hmm. the, 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 the 
the crappies are what made space for the happies in in, exactly. in in my life, and it was the dark periods that that taught me lessons and and or set me back and gave me space to think about what I, what I wanted to do differently. And so much of especially social media is just the happies, just the just the pretty moments and just the the vacation pictures or whatever it is, you know, um, that creates these false ideals of of what what life's about. Yeah. If if you want to if you wanted to tell a happy story, great, put it down, you can tell that happy story. If you wanted to tell a sad story, you would either cut that happy story short by a little bit or you'd let it run for a little bit longer because every story, if we think about it more of a narrative construct, it's all of it. It just depends on where you end it. Mm-hmm. You can end at any point, make it a happy story. You can end it at any point, make it a sad story. It's really that's of your own choosing, and that's part of owning your narrative. Is if you had cut parts of your book at the happy parts, then somebody reading that would have probably not felt like it was particularly authentic. Yeah, because some of the sadder moments are things that crack you open for the happy stuff, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, how has how has doing all this impacted you? Like, what have you? How have you changed or what have you learned and grown from from mm. this idea of like, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do storytelling to like how has that impacted you? Mm-hmm. I'm a, I assume in a lot of ways. Sometimes it's hard to know when you're in it. Mm-hmm. I think there's like the very tangible stuff of having to learn. I don't know, like business stuff or legal stuff or taxes stuff. Like there's those things. Mm -hmm. I think Campfire for me was very personal when it started. And so in the early years, it was more about like, how do I, what what it felt like was like excise parts of myself and figure out how to operationalize things that I liked or wanted. And then it became this transition of, all right, it's not, it started from a me place because I wanted it to be that way. And now it's more of a we place and there's more people here. And so how do you balance out the things you want with the things other people want. And then just an expansion of understanding where people come from. I think going into this, I kind of knew, it's like a big, still I'm big Mr. Rogers fan. And I'm like, you know, kindness. Everybody's got stuff. You know, I had all the like Mr. Rogers isms in my head, but I've listened to hundreds of people's stories at this point just through campfire stuff specifically. And I think it's made me a kinder, more patient person. Like before I think I would have considered myself those two things and probably just even more so now, if I'd look back, I'd be like, "Mm, you were mean, but it's just, right. Just different. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You said that I versus we, um, you know, we, and some people that have listened to this a lot, I've I've dealt, I've I've touched on this a couple of different ways, but like, you know, in, from human perspectives, you know, there's the, the the I perspective, and then if you and I are talking and connecting, then we're 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 in a we space, mm-hmm. and that's very different than if you are like a he she it over there is mm-hmm. you know, um, and then that we space is when you're when you make a connection and you have an understanding and your empathy grows, and and so the more 
perspectives we see and understand and relate to, the greater our empathy grows, and thus greater the greater our consciousness is. So that's yeah. it's cool that you're 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 seeing that. You know, like you know, no matter no matter what your level of empathy and understanding is, each connection you make cracks that open a little wider and a little wider, a little wider. Yeah, every time. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. I think in those moments, sometimes it can be really frustrating. And then I'm always called back to, you know, if somebody's asking questions about a class, you know, the very like tangible parts of a, a day-to-day life, and I get frustrated with those things, I'm called back to, I know this person's story or I have a better sense as to where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And that can slow me back down again. And I can be more patient again. Where mm-hmm. in the everyday life, you know, getting stuck in that can be tough. But if I've heard your story, or at least I've heard a couple of them or we've engaged in some kind of way where I'm hearing your weekly happies and crappies, I have way more empathy. Mm-hmm. and have a much better sense of the shared humanity in the room that's going to call me back to patience. It's going to call me back to kindness. That will call me back to grace. Those things, I mean, those are foundational to being able to, to be present in that kind of a space. Mm-hmm. Well, and another thing too, like, cause like, so for 20 something years, I've, I've been a financial planner. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw, I, I began the uh, 2021 Carlos Sanfilippo world farewell tour. So, I'll be done with that. I'll be done as a financial planner in March of next year. But like through that, thank you. Through those, I've, you know, through working with, Lots and lots and lots of different people through happies and crappies of their lives, births, marriages, deaths, divorces, business startups, business failures, business whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It gave me lots and lots of like reference points as I've moved through my life, as I move through good and bad times, as I've come to decision-making points of like, Mm How I how I want what kind of father I want to be, and what kind of mentor I want to be, and what kind of human I want to be, and earlier when I was asking you how that impacted you, whatever it is, it's 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 interesting. It'll be interesting f- to see if if we if, if you and I are talking ten years from now, mm-hmm. is there something different? Yeah. Because the things I see. Of how I, of what I've learned and how I've benefited from helping other people, mm-hmm. I see different lessons today than I would have a decade ago. Yeah. I, I really, I do. And I look at it very differently. And it's, it's what's shaping, it's what's shaping this next transition of my life of like, well, what, what, how do I want to spend however much time I have left mm-hmm. for myself and as a father and as a, a human and, and, but I, I wouldn't have seen that five, ten years ago or whatever. So it's, it's what's fun is this, like with the, the improv analogy of saying yes and and following the fun and diving into it. Uh, it'll, be fun, it'll be fun to see how this evolves for you and then the people you're touching and impacting. Uh, it's, all, yeah. it's all cool. Do you find, and I mean this in a good way, do you find that the stories of the people you've worked with over your career haunt you and i mean that in a good way meaning like they track along with you they will pop up randomly in your mind like how much are they present for you even years maybe after you've worked with somebody or or heard that particular story for sure no i i because i love 
I love human stories anyway. I love biographies and I'm constantly reading about other people's lives. So when something might come up with, you know, a decision for my kids or something that they're struggling with or thinking about or relationships or time I spend with them, sometimes like you said, it's like sort of background. It might just be, I may not be consciously aware of it, but other times I'll think through, I'll think through choices or examples that I've seen that I want to emulate or not emulate. Yeah, they linger. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and then it impact it impacts lessons I can teach my kids. You know, um, yeah, yeah, and and just <clears throat> something I've been thinking a lot, a lot. You know, the one of the, the subtitle of my book is about the the American dream, right? So, um, I went into this field because you know my family didn't have money, and I wanted to learn about money, and I wanted to understand it, and the idea that. I needed to conquer this thing. And then so years and years and years, I'm working with lots of people at various levels of economic success. Mm-hmm. And I realized that um, money doesn't fix certain problems. Yep. You know, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know what you want, if you don't know why you're here, no amount of money is enough. Yep. And no amount of money can answer those questions. Mm-hmm. So that absolutely impacted me of like yeah. what what I see as important and how I spend my time and the example I want to set for my kids, you know. So. Which which category would you have put that in to? Would that, uh, that realization, would that have been a hope moment, a despair moment, some kind of blend of the two? At first, it was a little scary, you yeah. know? The, the idea that, um, wow, if I'm not, if I don't know what I want, then I'm going to be on that same path. Yeah. But then if I don't know what I want, how do I know what I want? How do I figure it out? I was like a domino, like you had a domino moment of all the things that it would impact that realization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was something I always struggled with, and, but it wasn't, it wasn't until I went through all my, I went through my crappy period. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my parents dying and getting divorced and then restructuring my life and all of a sudden having some space in my life for introspection. Mm-hmm. Space to consciously reconstruct or reconfigure my life. Mm-hmm. One, I did, until I had space mentally, mm-hmm. emotionally, and financially, then all my time in life was so consumed that I was just doing the things. Yeah. Yep. Get up, go to work, come home, send my money to everybody else, yep. get up in the next day and do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, but I guess it's, it's, it's so sometimes I just I capture this lesson for people. Like sometimes it's important just to ask the question, well, what am I getting from this or where am I going? And then you, you may not, you may not get at that answer right away, but if you don't ask it, you, you probably won't get it ever. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it can really be time, place, manner. Like mm-hmm. that answer might change. We were talking about this a moment ago about the evolution of looking back in hindsight and all that. And those answers might, in 10 years, might be a whole different yeah. deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there something 
and maybe you don't, if you don't want to talk about this, it's okay. But like, is there something that other, other thing that you're thinking that, that, that uh, like, wow, now that I've done this, maybe I'll do this other thing. Uh, it's, it's not so much like another external piece. I would say f- for me, the thing that's like next, if I'm going to say mm-hmm. there's something next on any list, it's more about refinement. I, for something like Campfire, that a lot of it started with not really like a, a vision or a mission or specific purposes. Like, here's a bunch of questions. Here's a feeling I want to see if I can kind of like bring out of a, a room of people. That's a tough, that's a tough thing to build a, a business off of. Mm-hmm. And so as it's evolved and tried to figure out ways to make money and, you know, that kind of veers you in certain directions, now it's more about refining and making choices. So maybe even a better analogy would be like pruning. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of little branches and stuff, and so it's time to prune what is campfire, what are we trying to accomplish, so that I can... I don't know, it's not about locking it in necessarily, but just having a better, clear sense of the the definition of it. Mm-hmm. I think good things will come from that. I, I historically have usually been a person that's a starter. I like to start stuff give it structure and then I'll pass it along to whomever's next or put it on the shelf even if that's if that's what it calls for. And I think, I don't even remember, this is like maybe year one or year two. I remember telling people on the t- at the time, I had a couple of folks who'd volunteer and help out. I remember telling them, I was like, I'm not screwing around. Like, I think I'm going to stick with this thing for a while. And I think most people were like, okay, cool, man. But I don't think they knew what I meant by that, but I knew what I meant by that. yeah. Now that's uh, that's exciting. It's exciting. I'm excited. It already from from the outside and what I've seen, it's already a really well oiled machine in terms of the the customer experience, mm. the communication, the website, the 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 the, the curriculum. Uh, you keep everything on time. You know, honoring people's time. It's all just. It all just works really, really well, and with a great outcome. Uh, especially given that, like you know, you've got you've got people coming in with different levels of technical ability and might have trouble yeah. using Zoom and whatever. And you were always so patient, like, oh, that's a really great question. <laughs> you know, you, you have a great way of acting as if maybe that's no one's ever thought of that before. Uh, but you are so you're so uh, accommodating and patient and um, helpful for people. So that it'll be if you have if you're thinking. I'm I'm going to refine this and lock it down and prune it. That I'm I'm excited to see what it turns into. It's uh, going to be. Or, it's not even going to be a thing anymore. It's just going to be an idea. There won't right? be a campfire anymore. There, we won't have events. There's no classes. It's just I've now created. It's just a concept and it floats in the ethereal space. I love I'm really it. going to that next level. I believe it. Nah. <laughs> well, I'll just have. I'll wake up telling the stories. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 2022. Um, wait for the update. Nice. Um, well, before we wrap up, is there because you're you you I like to start things too. I, I I get excited about the when I play an RPG like in a video game. Like the first part of it's the most fun for me. Like going yeah. from like you know dying from like mud crabs to like being able to beat a dragon <laughs> is really fun. But then once you're uh-huh. really really high level, it's not as much fun anymore for me. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, the, the the in the the Lord of the Rings, I like the first of the three trilogies because it was the beginning and the story. You know, absolutely. Um, what advice might you have for someone who's got an idea and and 
scared to try it. What if I fail or what would people think or, you know? I don't know. Is this like a PG-13 podcast? What's the rating on this thing? We, we can go HBO if we need to. All got, if, if anything like that, if anything happens, I'll, I, get it. I just put like explicit warning on there. So Okay. <laughs> I mean, like the, the first answer that comes to mind is if somebody is worried about what other people are going to think or what they'll say is just fuck them. Yep. <laughs> there you go. And that's it's really not in line with like me as a person. But in some ways, I think that's where you got to go in your own head. That if you're really yeah. nervous about what people are going to think or say or do, you just go, eh, fuck them. It's not, yeah. that is not any of your concern or, or it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's easier said than done. So I think there's that, there's that bucket yep. of advice. And then the other pieces, it's, I mean, like, to throw out some buzzwords would be just around like bootstrapping it, do some kind of proof of concept, like in any kind of way that you can, because pretty much anything that I've ever started ever, I did it on shoestring budgets and it was like good enough, basically. It was mm-hmm. like, what's the good enough thing? Just to see if, if it's worth any more time or, yeah. or effort. Um, and so with Campfire, I was like, all right, I'll find one person We'll just start with one person. And that's what it was for really for two years was we worked with one storyteller at a time. Cool. And found a venue that was a nonprofit place. And it was like, it was like 75 bucks. So great. And so for us, especially because of the work we do, like we didn't need a lot of things. We needed a microphone. We needed some speakers, people to show up, um, which in the grand scheme of life, you know, we're not manufacturing anything. That's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. But even if you're manufacturing stuff, I mean, there's a ton of activities that, as a facilitator, I'll run with people where it's like, build a thing with just the stuff around you and, mm-hmm. and let it solve a problem. And usually people can do it. You like yeah. take a bunch of stuff together and all of a sudden it actually has a, a pretty good use. Those are, those are two great pieces of advice. Yeah, the, the, the first one, fuck them. And what do you think? That, that yeah. you have to be in a right space. You have to have, it's, you can tell that you had, you had loving, supportive parents that you had to have that. Like, you know, exactly. it, it took me, it took me going through some pretty, rough spots in my life before I finally got to the point where I was just like, what? I'm not going to let other, other people's thoughts hold me back. And I still struggle with that sometimes. And I'm still oh, fighting yeah. with it. So it's cool. That's great. It's a great reminder. Um, and then the starting, starting small and sometimes, well, like you see people doing that now with, with restaurants and they're doing a food truck instead of a restaurant or they're selling at farmer's markets and they're, like you said, to get the proof as concept, to build an audience, build a build some clients, and and um, don't bite off more than you can chew, you know. Oh. Yeah, because oh. once yeah. you're there, too, it's hard to get back. Mm-hmm. And something that is like I would say haunting and always haunts me or lingers is from a past faculty member. Uh, her name is Jenny Harpering, and she'd always say, "Don't move faster than your intentions," which I loved. Because it was like, if your intention is to make a certain type of space or to have a certain type of thing, but you're rushing, rushing, rushing to the next thing to add more, to add more, you end up moving faster than your intentions. You're actually not accomplishing the thing you wanted to. And so you're trading speed for intention. Mm -hmm. uh, And that's, that's a dangerous gambit. You can lose yourself in that. Right. And you know, on a different, on a different level too, um, with my financial planning practice, there's always this when if you if you get past the 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 episode one of, of of a project where you're actually doing it 
And then sometimes there's this ego thing of like, well, it's got to be huge. Yes. It's got to be. I, I, I joined an entrepreneurial organization for a while that that was all about building businesses and things like that. And I had a very, um, very lean, efficient practice that allowed me to serve, you know, a small group of people in a very, very high level. That then made kept my life simple and allowed me to earn the money I wanted. But over and over again, I got this sneer of, you just have a lifestyle business. And then it was like, you just have a lifestyle business. You're not really an yeah. entrepreneur. It's not really a, it's not an enterprise. And there was oh this egos of people. And I, and I thought about it. I'm like, it, it, what would be, what if, what if this were five times bigger? And I start thinking about the, the complications that it would add in my life and at yes. managing more people. And, and I was start, and then I looked at the, I'm like, I wouldn't even really make that much more money because I'd have this huge overhead. And then there's the risk with the overhead of like, you know, if the, if the if for me, if the stock market fell, then I still have all these people I have to pay. And, and so every, finally I just had to just say, I guess it is a lifestyle business, you know, and, 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 and but it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so and sometimes that 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 fuck 'em mentality goes beyond the first stage as you build in something like what you know when i when I moved from a home into a condo to simplify my life to give myself the time financially and from the actual hours of the amount of things I have to do with a condo versus a house, I got a lot of judgment yeah people people in my some people in my old world that were like. Oh, do you think you'll move back to the county? Like I was living in Webster before. How do you like that area? Do you think you'll move back? And uh-huh. is is it okay? You know, they were just so concerned yeah. about me, and and sometimes a sometimes a caring way, and sometimes it felt like a judgmental way of like of um. But like I, I'm I'm, I'm really happy. I'm like ten years later, I'm still here, and I love it, and I have, I have time, I can do the things I want. You know, so so like sometimes that 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 mentality is is persistent in various stages of whatever you're doing. So that's that's good advice. But you also have to have like the self-love and trust and maybe a circle of people that got your back, you know, that the improv yes. that got your back, got your back, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't. Fuck them doesn't work real well when you're, well, I guess it depends on who you are. But for me, I'm with you. It would be tough for me to be able to say that if I didn't have some kind of level or foundation of support. Mm-hmm. That if things really did go haywire, I'd be okay. Yeah, yeah. Even just emotionally, hard. People that have your back and trust you and love you, you know, mm-hmm. like, hey, cool, man, it's cool you tried that, but that's okay if it didn't work out the way you wanted to, you know. Yeah. Um. So that's great advice. So that's that's what I'm just trying to do here. What is is I wanted to dive more into like what you're doing and how and and open it up to for people that might just want to take to storytelling class and like to get better at. To try something never tried before, or to learn how to do something that might be applicable in their life in some other way. But then the other piece of it is like you know, maybe someone doesn't want to take a storytelling class, but they've got some business or idea or project that they're scared to try. That it's like okay, and you can use your weekend times and go to a coffee shop and brainstorm and make it happen. And and when you're working on something you're passionate about, you don't think about it and work the same way. So. No, you got to love it. And it, 
I don't know if I always agree with the, like if you if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life because I think it's still incredibly hard work. Mm-hmm. But it's not as hard to get going if you if you really like it and to persist when fuck them doesn't really work as well for you and things yeah. get a little harder. Yeah, you got to really like it. What I don't know. It was on NPR one time. There, there's some psychologist. They're talking about. They said Americans often consume pleasure with happiness. It's like not everything that makes you happy is pleasurable. And they gave the example of like, you know, a, a, a professional athlete that's doing these grueling hard workouts that might even just be actually painful. That if they were like on a chain gang being doing forced work, would they'd hate it. But because they want to be a, a, a great football player or dancer or whatever, gymnast, they're willing to push through something that's not pleasurable because it brings them joy and makes them happy. So that's, that's how I look at these kind of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So cool, man. Hey, I, I appreciate you, Stephen. Always enjoy talking. Same. And uh, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the class. Thanks for being in it. Thanks for telling your story. Uh, and if people haven't listened to it before, you should take a listen. Because Carla does a really fantastic couple voices in there. One in addition to telling a great story. So if you want a good story with a good ending, a very fulfilling ending, and some good voices, <laughs> you, got to, you got to tune in. You got to hear I it. I appreciate that, yeah. And I'm going to put, uh, so I'll, I'll put all your, I'll put all the links to the campfire on the show. Is something, what, what, what's the website again, just real quick, someone, someone's dying to know right now? Yes, it is campfire.com. Somebody bought campfire, the full word. Before me, sneaky, sneaky. So I ours is cmpfr.com. So it's basically campfire without all the vowels. Okay, cool, cool. And I'll have that in the show notes. But if someone is just dying to know right now, they've got it. Right now, right now. <laughs> right now. Turn off the computer. Turn off your device. You They're typing it already with their, their double thumb <laughs> in it. <laughs> <laughs> no vowels, campfire.com. Uh, and do it, you know, I, I highly recommend it. It's like, it's really, really fun. I learned a lot, met some cool people, heard some awesome stories. Um, and, and, and Stephen and his team are wonderful and a joy to work with. So give it a shot. And, and, and you'll have live shows here for long, huh? Yeah, that'll happen at some point here in the not too distant okay. future. Cool, cool. Well, I look forward to going to one and seeing your, your new graduates doing their capstone classes. Love to have so. you. Awesome, buddy. Well, hey, thank you. Um, I look forward as uh, we're moving into this post-pandemic, post-COVID world, seeing you in real life again one day, hopefully really soon. You want to meet at Rise? Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> okay, we'll figure that out off, off the hour so that every, <laughs> every, everybody would show up. There'll be thousands, there'll be probably tens of thousands of people there. So, um, Yeah, my favorite parts of podcasts is when they schedule the, follow, the follow-up <laughs> coffees. That's the part I always tune into. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, actually, it would be good for Rise. So uh, everybody go yeah. to Rise uh, and support them. So, well, cool. Well, hey, thanks again. Hey, enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, thanks for joining me. Okay, everybody. That is a wrap on yet another episode of It's the Journey, this time with Stephen Hurwitz of campfire. As always, it's always fun to dive into to these stories 
And it's, it's a real joy when it's someone I know and have had many conversations with and seen over the years. It's always a fun to figure out another layer, another level of what they're doing and why they're doing and hear stories from how things in their childhood and stuff that their parents signed them up for is, you know, is those things, how those things are impacting them still today. And uh, I, I, those are, that's a real thing. So it's like, whether you're trying to figure out why you do what you do or why you're interested in what you're interested in, sometimes just taking a, um, a moment to reflect back on, on your childhood and what did you really, really love to do back then? And, you know, what were the common, common threads that, that if you're not, if you don't have those things in your life today, maybe how could you bring those in if, if, they still, if they're still calling to you and bringing, bringing you joy in some way? So for Stephen, go to campfire.com. Remember, it's campfire without any vowels, C-M-P-F-R.com to learn more about the cool work that Stephen and his team there are doing. They're all amazing. If you ever have had any curiosity about storytelling, whether it's just to learn how to do it, whether it's for some other project, that's how I started with it. So I could try to learn a little bit of a little bit about that for what I'm doing here, or you just want to conquer a fear of public speaking that could help you professionally. I highly, highly recommend his super qualified, caring, professional team, including Stephen. And um, they, they're all amazing. So check that out. And Again, this is yet another example of someone who said yes to something and took some steps and moved toward it and tested it. And, and eventually that small project became his, his main, main source of uh, making a living. So say yes to that. And again, it's just one more example of how sometimes in life we have to change one thing or stop doing something to start another thing and, or figure out how to find space for that. My, my guest next week is a literal expert on change, Lucinda Perry-Jones. She's a, she's a, I guess it's a consulting company that works with nonprofits on change and also has a coaching service that helps individuals lay out and create a strategic, ugh, strategic map that helps them take steps toward the change they want to have in their life. And it was, a, it was another great conversation, but it's got a lot of really very practical uh, information, practical advice, and, and things you can take action on. So I hope you'll tune into that, especially so if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're coming back, thanks again for joining me again. Thanks for following. Thanks for all the good comments and feedback. If you are new, welcome. I hope you'll uh, like and follow the podcast wherever you like to listen. Check if you, uh, if you have a chance, check out the, my website, carloblog.com. You can see more about the podcast, some blog posts I've written, as well as the book that I wrote and published earlier this year, Afterlife, Waking Up from My American Dream, where I talk about my story about change and, and personal growth. So that's all I have today. Thank you again. I hope you'll uh, take something from this and listen to what's calling you. And please always enjoy your journey. Thank you. 